This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Dan Clark. Um, I on my way here, I was trying to think of a song to pl- uh, to kickstart the show. As you know, as regular listeners know, I always uh, pick songs and I get guests to pick songs from films or pieces of score. And I just hadn't, I just couldn't think of anything. And then it started raining, and it hit me like that. Uh, uh, I thought of a song, and it's from the film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Weirdly, I'm trying to think why they wrote this song for that film because I don't recall there being rain. But this was written by Bacharach and David, who. Uh, wrote uh, a million amazing songs. Um, this is Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, sung by BJ Thomps- Thomas, I believe. BJ Thomas uh, from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. What a lovely song. That's put me in a good mood. Um, James Gill has uh, joined me just. He's just got here. We've got a great show for you, by the way, today. We have the uh, excellent writer-creator Howard Overman in with us today. We'll be speaking to him in a minute. But um, first, I'm going to be chatting to James Gill, as ever, about all things films and TV, if he can gather his thoughts, because uh, his train was delayed and he literally walked in 10 seconds ago. We almost didn't know what we were going to do. I might have just chatted to myself. I'm so sorry that I did that to you. It's, well, it's not your fault. Sweating profusely. It's the classic, it rains a little bit, the country goes into meltdown. Yeah. Uh, you, what, what train network is it? Southeastern, I guess? Yeah. Grr. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn's got a thing or two to say about that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how are you, James? You okay? Yeah, Other all than good. that? All, everything is all good. Yeah, all good. I don't believe you. There's a, there's a cloud over your head. Do you think so? Yeah, a little bit. And also, you're gonna, you, you were texting me on the way here talking about stuff you wanted to chat about, and yet again, two weeks in a row, we want, it sounded like t- doom and gloom. So this, this show, since I've been doing it with you, you know, yeah. a, it's a, an honour to be your guest. Uh, it's always been very positive, and yeah, we did comment that the last two shows, including what we're going to talk about today, is pretty negative stuff. <laughs> but it's not, it's not in our nature, we're both positive guys, but it's just a few announcements where you're like, oh, come on, Hollywood. Yeah. So what's what's the latest thing that's bugged you? Well, so Justin Lin, if me of six months ago listened to me right now, you, I wouldn't believe it. But yeah. Justin Lin, it's been announced that he's going to direct the the movie version of the toy Hot Wheels. Now, Justin Lin is a is a director I've interviewed. He's a, a lovely man. He's incredibly bright. I mean, he's a great director. His track record speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just felt a bit. Oh man, when it was announced. So this comes in the wake of obviously the Transformers movies uh, have been going for a while, but then also the, there's talk of a Tetris movie. There was the Battleship movie a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. Ridley Scott was once linked with a Monopoly movie that never materialised. I mean, what is a Monopoly? I, I heard mean, about what that. Is, what is a Monopoly what movie? Is going on? What is that? What is a Monopoly? I mean, I mean, how do you make a movie out of Battleship? Yeah. You know, I mean, they made it, and I'm still not sure that they quite managed it. Mm. Um, Mike so- Lee's making Twister. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. He would make that work, would Mike? Yeah, that would Jim be Jim Broadbent good. would be in it. It would be quite dark. It would be like I a Abigail's party, it. basically. It like, you know what? That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> Abigail's party with Twister. Mike, if you're there listening, you please. But I'm sure he needs ideas. We'll put a nice, happy spin on uh, something. What there. is Hot Wheels? So Hot Wheels, I mean, I think they were slightly after my time, but I think they were like little dinky cars that kids used to race on the right. carpet. Classic case of, on the advert, Hot Wheels would look amazing, and then you get them home, and on your thick lounge rug, you'd be like, oh, this is absolutely... Absolutely bobbins. So it's just. I think they're, I just, know, yeah. I think they're just toy cars. What, um, I mean, they're, they're just toy cars, aren't they? Yeah. There, yeah. there's um, there is like one example where a good toy film or game film was made and it was actually good. Uh, I'm not talking about Super Mario Brothers. I'm talking, of course, about the Lego Movie. Well, That's the, an actual. Now, actually, you you might be right. So the Lego Movie. I'm sure when that was announced, people like you yeah. were like, oh come mm, on, come on. But those two guys are just. I mean, they're, yeah, they're borderline geniuses, aren't they? And what they did with that film, you know, to make a film about uh, multinational corporations and selling out and, and the theme of happiness and then the twist at the end. I mean, the Lego movies, as it happens, is 
probably one of the most original movies. Yeah, that's of, the weird thing about years. that. But so, then it's such a you know unicorn in this that there's no. I can't think of that any is other the unicorn in the forest, isn't yeah, it? It, it really is. is. I can't think of, and I can't think of moving on to video games. I can't think of a, a single video game movie adaptation that that has been good. Not not one. No, I'm not a big. I'm not big on video games, but Assassin's Creed is a video so there's game. There's quite a bit of pressure out on that. Yeah. Uh, pressure on that this Christmas. Fassbender yeah. is doing Assassin's Creed. Will it be good? We shall see. The trailer looks all right. I d- I've defended the trailer on here yeah. before, yeah. Um, but that will be the first one so far. Now, um, I noticed this morning I was on the Empire web, uh, website and they said that there was a Alfred Hitchcock Presents yeah. remake in the works. But even that, so it, or Hitchcock Presents. So I got the impression that you were quite excited about that. Um, no, not excited. I was. Um, intrigued by it because I'm thinking what's there was a time where like from a point of view as a writer myself and pitching shows to networks or channels or whatever you would always be told that anthology doesn't work sure standalone stories do not work people won't return now I'm wondering what's the change there because there have been some examples like is it American Horror Story that's right I mean I know that that's uh, that's a serialised and then each season is different but it's still kind of an anthology right. Black Mirror is very popular very excited about the new Netflix versions which is basically Black Mirror times a hundred because sure. they've got all the money they need <laughs> in the world um, so is someone going oh actually maybe there is something in this and uh, being the you know the world that we live in well, how can we do it but with a pre-existing brand I mean, it ties into what we said last yeah. week they've had to take an existing brand just do an original idea D- ditch the Hitchcock thing we all have Hitchcock yeah. ditch the Hitchcock do some Something new, do something new. But you know that's that's the world we live in. Oh, sadly, yeah, I feel like after this we need a hug. But I have to say, I did get a little bit excited, not by the prospect of the show itself, but um, I was like, Hitch- I, so- I sort of remember that. I'm, I'm sure I'm-, I'm with you. I sort of remember it. And then I, uh, I um, played the little trailer and this piece of music. If you're my age, this should uh, this should really um, bring a little uh, joy to you. That this, I know what this is going to be. Sing something else. Here we go. Now, that to me Beautiful. is that that I for you some like reason Richard thought that Clayton, was the though. Laurel and Hardy uh, uh, <laughs> music. But I, I heard that this morning. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. This, this is brought back fond memories, but uh, I think there's a potential there in, in the world where we are sort of running out of ideas. Maybe that is a good format to. Um, when I say ideas, I don't mean for stories, but for like uh, sort of brands and stuff. Who knows? Uh, well, someone who does anthologies and they do them brilliantly, uh, South Park. So I know you're a fan of that, but yeah. they've changed now. So instead of doing standalone episodes, the past couple of seasons have gone for the anthology thing, where they tell a single overarching story over multiple episodes, and they are. They are absolutely nailing it. Mm-hmm. I strongly recommend that. Well, so here's a segue into the next section, which is uh, talking about TV shows that are based on films. We've sure. had for years, we've had films based on TV shows. Uh, sorry, yeah, f- you know, like that. There was that era of things like Lost in Space and the Beverly Hillbillies. Do you remember that? that was a, there was a real Flintstones. purple patch. Yeah. Of pretty average movies yeah. that were based on. I mean, uh, always I, sort of tongue in cheek kind of remakes. I mean, as I'm a, a child who grew up in the eighties, and so the the A Team is one of my favourite shows of, of all time. It was so exciting, and they just didn't quite nail the movie, did they? Yeah. Well, it's because do you do a sort of piss take or do you take it seriously I, you know it's a hard thing to like Miami Vice that was a weird one that, that Michael, was because that went quite dark yeah. didn't it and that wasn't great you know it it's was weird... fine I interviewed the director uh, Michael Mann Rawson Marshall oh. Thurber the, uh, the guy who directed Dodgeball and Central Intelligence mm-hmm. and uh, this didn't run in the mag so I, I can tell you this as a, a kind exclusive. of exclusive so he has written um, like me he grew up in the 80s uh, he, he's a lot richer than me but he grew up in the 80s and as much as I loved the A-Team he loved Magnum right Right. and so he has written a script for Magnum and it's not a, a Mickey take it's mm-hmm. a very it's a, a, a sincere genuine movie and it's very much as he described it it's like Batman Begins this is Magnum Begins so this is how Magnum beats Higgins <laughs> is this, for, uh, this is Magnum absolutely begins? for real so it's not going to be called Magnum Begins I wish but it this is this is his that. absolute passion project um 
Okay. So keep your, keep, now, the only thing that's stopping this movie getting made, because this guy's hot stuff, because Central Intelligence did well, he's making a movie with The Rock in China called Skyscraper, mm-hmm. it's a disaster movie. The, there are rights issues concerning who owns the rights to Magnum, and once they get cleared up, he will make that movie. Okay, but tell me this, how do you pitch Magnum in a one-line sentence? Like, what is... What is Magnum? Because that's what I'm struggling no, I to agree. go with. Because ultimately, what to you and me, what is Magnum? It's Tom Selleck. Yeah. It's Tom in Selleck a in a Hawaiian shirt. shirt. <laughs> yes. It's but, Tom but, but, Selleck, the best moustache we will ever see in our lives in a Hawaiian shirt. But he, what is it? He's, what? A, he's a private detective and in Hawaii. No, I'm with you. I'm, I don't you need disagree to, with you. I'm, I agree with you. <laughs> How do you pitch it? Him to like Paramount or whatever. Yeah. He's, he's why a detective. Can't you just, why can't you not bother with all these rights issues and just write a PI movie? I just call it. You know. Shagnum, yeah, or Cornetto. <laughs> yes. or, you know, yours is better. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think, well, I think because he loves the character so much that he would have as many of the original characters as possible, and it would uh, be faithful to the TV mm-hmm. show as well. Yeah. I would, lo- I mean, I would love to see that because because he talked about it with such passion, and he really meant it. And it wasn't a guy that was just hanging an idea on an existing brand. It's not like when someone, like a director, gets gets offered a job. Um, oh, there's one really big example, and I don't want to say it because I don't want to get sued. But there are times where a director will be approached by a studio here make this movie for a sack load of cash it's an existing brand yeah. they probably don't care about it that much yeah sure I'll do it and the movie turns out to be not that great but because he cared so much about Magnum mm-hmm. I, w- I actually would have high hopes for that but that again is a unicorn because it's not often where the person who's writing it and directing it cares so much they're how, often just chop it in for a load of cash how, across the board how do you feel about remakes because some people I think get a little bit too precious about remakes so I think so I think certain movies are worthy of a remake. So, for example, when it was announced that Magnificent Seven was being remade, mm-hmm. McQueen is my all-time hero. However, the Magnificent Seven, if you watch the original, y- you could easily chop 30, 40 minutes out of that film. So I wasn't against that film being remade. haven't yet seen the remake. Unfortunately, it appears it's not that brilliant. But certain, certain films are right for a remake. Because yeah. a lot of movies back in the 50s and 60s, they often were way too... Yeah, slow. You know, slow. When, you, when you watch some of them now, you're like, oh god, then this is a classic. Well, you know, we've talked about this as well, where I've, um, you know, championed a comedy from the '80s and s- sort of like forced someone to watch it if they hadn't seen it, and then I'm sitting there watching it with them, going, God, this is much slower than I remember. Yeah, and that's just obviously, you know, we've got used to a different pace. But I, I, think, think, I think that's it. I think because we all have ADHD, we've yeah. just got used to a different pace. Yeah. If there's not a car chase and explosion, or you know, a zingy one-liner. It, it can be tricky. Um, Rob Schneider was once being interviewed and he had done something with John Cleese and John Cleese gave him discs of Faulty Towers and Rob Schneider said, you know, this, this, these, these are masterpieces, they're, they're incredible. But he said they're, they're more like plays in that what Cleese was doing, I mean, it's one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, but what Cleese was doing was spending... 10, 50, maybe even 20 minutes to to build up, the, to heighten the tension. Mm-hmm. So when the high fast kicks in at the end, it was like this joyous release, whereas now there's too much reliance on, say, Big Bang Theory is a, one example. Every other line is a gag, and it's just, it doesn't yeah, quite... there's always been that, like things like Bilko and stuff that were always, like American shows were always more like about the joke and the one-liner and the... Well, but the difference there is that in Phil Silvers, you talk about one of the greatest yeah. comedy actors who's can ever I, drawn breath. Sorry, go on. Can I just say something? <laughs> yes. I've never been hugely into Faulty Towers. Really? Yeah, and one of the reasons why is I find it too stressful to watch. Like, whenever I watch something where I go, if you just went over there and said, no, this is what I really meant, the whole problem would be solved. But I think because Cleese commits to it so much... Don't get me wrong, I think he's, he's amazing, yeah. and I can see why it's a great show, but it just puts me on edge in a not a, not an enjoyable way. Really? I know that's like sacrilege, That's but hey, you know, every, we've all got shows that everyone loves that you just maybe aren't... A, and, and, and I'm not saying I think it's bad either. I just find... I just don't enjoy watching it. I find it a bit like, oh, you know, it's a misunderstanding, just, you know, or... You know, stop being so stupid. I don't know. It's like you shouldn't put logic into a farce because then the whole thing doesn't work. But uh, you're looking at me like you cannot believe well, the I, words coming out I of my can't, mouth. I'm surprised you because we, because we, and I love Python. I love Fish Called Wanda. I love every, you know, Terry Gilliam. I love that whole world. But just that show, for some reason, stresses me out. <laughs> I think in all the time with nature, this is the first thing we've ever disagreed on. Well, that's fine. That's but good. I'm, that's I'm good. Not, I'm not saying that it's sure. bad. I'm just saying I don't like the feeling it gives me. 
Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah, you, still don't, you still don't quite. So going back to the anthology and the TV remakes and the film remakes, here's a show that I was a huge fan of when it came out. And again, it's a bit like, why are they doing this? But it was Fargo. And that's based on a film and it's an anthology because they're doing a different that's era right. each season. Um, there's been a few... Things. So today I read it was announced that they're thinking of doing a, uh, or they're planning on doing a Italian job uh, remake. Yes. For a, well, not a remake, a TV, a TV show. show. And there's been a few. There's been like Minority Report. There's been uh, a, lot, a lot of these have ended up like Minority <coughs> Report, which I think is a, a bona fide classic. And I think it as has, a movie, yeah, absolutely yeah. Oh, yeah. incredible. But Amazing I think it got cancelled, didn't it? Quite, quite yeah. quickly as a TV Twelve show. Monkeys. Yeah. There's a lot. There's been Zombieland. They've, they're trying it. Zombieland didn't even make it to air, did it? I think they made a pilot, okay. and then I believe it got axed after yeah, the yeah. pilot. I mean, these are brilliant movies as well, yeah. but they just haven't really quite good. translated to... And I remember um, hearing about Minority Report, and because I'm such a big fan of that film. I think it's amazing. Um, I'm like, how do you... I mean, you're sort of you're making life really difficult for yourself by trying to do a series off the back of an almost pitch perfect movie. It's almost pitch perfect movie, and also the movie's so perfectly tied up in a nice little bow by the end that not not any part of me watched that movie and thought, "Tell you what, this is like a cracking TV (laughs) show." I tell you what, I need another (laughs) twenty-four episodes of this. Yeah, I mean, of course, the 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 big example of a TV show that was probably better than the movie is Mash. Yes, that's yeah. But so again, now we're going back the now other we're way. Back to the unicorn because yeah, yeah. it might it might yeah. only it might even be the only one. Or the example where a film is better than the TV show is on the buses. Yeah, you, you win. What about that in the seventies when there was just a huge wave of uh, TV, like movies of sitcoms, and so they were big. They were big. Like they people did. actually paid money to sit in the cinema to see Reg Varney in the cinema. They did really Reg Varney on the big screen finally, <laughs> but they did really well as well, didn't they? But apparently, and yeah. then the movie, and then uh, you know what I'm going to say the movie, the the modern sitcom that that sp- sparked this new wave of sitcom movies yeah. was was the Inbetweeners, yeah. which m- made but that again loads of cash. The but unicorn, that that's the third unicorn. Well, Mrs. Um, Bra- Mrs. Brown's boys, and I will defend uh, Brendan O'Carroll. People uh, always say that. Look, people will all, say what they they go. Look, you know, they'll go. I defend Mrs. Brown. Look, we all know that it's a show that does well. Who, who and says, who, I've had so many people in here thinking it's big and clever to say, I actually don't think it's that bad or whatever. No, what I would say is, uh, I'm not, I, I didn't realise that. What I would say about that guy is, though, is that he's... Maybe with, they don't say it to each other, just I, well, only I'm gonna on radio. Well, I'm going to say it on this show. <laughs> uh, that guy has worked incredibly hard, and it, it, is that sitcom for you and me? No, it's probably mm-hmm. not, but it, there's no doubt that it's a, a huge mega smash, and I'm not sure the guy should get the stick that he gets. No. That's, I mean, look, I don't. I, I'm going to say this publicly just because... I'm not. I'm not saying this in a mean way. It's not for me. Don't. don't but you can't argue with ten million people. You just simply try. Get ten million people in a room and, and argue, argue with them. Good luck. <laughs> they will kill you. But I mean, I mean, these days most sitcoms are lucky if they get one or two million. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that show is getting the numbers that it gets, you've got to. You've got to applaud the guy. I know, but but does that mean you can... I haven't seen the film, I heard about the reviews and stuff, but then, you know, so what? It's People love the, sh- the show, so they'll probably love I mean, the film. I mean, last week we talked about a, a dearth of audiences. I mean, for that, people yeah. have been queuing around the block. I mean, it, it took in loads of cash, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And it's weird with the Inbetweeners one, because obviously it's a, it's a great show and, um, and people like it, but there are a lot of other shows that are as good that couldn't have done that with a film. I think there's so much about the timing of it. I just thought they. Na- I thought with the movie they they nailed it. It wasn't just a case of uh, a longer version of the sitcom. I thought as a film, both of them totally mm-hmm. worked, and both of them were super successful. I I really enjoyed both yeah. in between as movies. I thought, I thought they worked, worked brilliantly. So um, I tell you, there's one other thing we were going to talk about. Yeah, and it ties back into so something Dan and I talked about a few months ago was we predicted that Disney would raid its back catalogue of cartoons and, t- and turn them into live action movies and we mm-hmm. sort of said watch this space and then after that uh, this is very I told you so but it's, it's why we do the show yeah. isn't it let's be honest yeah. and then after that they would cue the Jungle Book uh, and then now um, Sleep, um, Beauty and the Beast is coming out and then now it's just been announced that John Favreau will direct a live action version of The Lion King really? yeah how do you so basically like the jungle book I, I, I guess so yeah like the jungle but there book. aren't any humans in no there. it would just be I mean so when they say live action they, they, they actually mean, they mean <laughs> CGI yeah 
because unless he's going to direct actual lions, unless he's, they're going to that train, I would pay a lot I would, of money. I would to see. queue in the yeah. rain to see that. I'd love to see the behind the like the the making of uh, oh, not a yeah, <laughs> and like John Favreau going up to a lion. Now listen, um, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get, quite get that you're sad in that scene. If you could just uh, look, remember, you've lost your child. <laughs> John Favreau. I mean, can you not say some words, maybe? John Favreau, first thing on set every morning. Yes, yeah, so uh, another minute silence. Uh, we lost, uh, lost another crew member yesterday. That's uh, two a day. Um, uh, yeah, so in a way, a weird thing to call it a live action. Uh, uh, version of it <laughs> isn't it there's, there's no none. No. it was like uh, you know Tarzan yeah. um, that entire movie was filmed in Watford was it <laughs> yes Yeah. I mean Watford's quite green <laughs> there is a lot of vine a green in, screen and yeah. unfortunately it shows um, we'll tell you what Dan yeah. how's about for next week I will make it my mission to find as many positive and yeah. original stories as possible, rather than remakes. Well, you know what's... Uh, we will be entering very shortly the award season, which will last about six months. But, uh, right. you know, traditionally or historically, that has been when more films, to my taste, start appearing a bit. Uh, so hopefully in the coming months there'll be some interesting films to watch, uh, good performances and stuff. So, you know... I, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Mm. Have you seen the Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters yet? I say new. No. Have you watched it yet? No. Okay. Do you remember I said to you, I've just got You're no interest. you definitely not going to watch it, okay. No, I'll watch it if it's on the TV or something, but I don't know. And nothing about when it came out and the reaction has made me go, actually, I should see I'll it. check this out. Not that it got slated or anything, but it just felt a bit lukewarm. That's not enough to get me... That's not enough to justify your my 11 quid at your yeah. local Odeon. <laughs> or any other cinema chain. Yes, that you, you know... i tell you what I am going to see uh, this week is uh, the um, the Girl with the Gifts. No, what's girl it called? Girl with All the Gifts. Girl with All the Gifts. Have you seen that no. yet? It's yeah. must be good, isn't it? Yeah. Going to see that's Paddy Considine. Who else is Gemma in that? Arterton. Gemma Arterton. Looks pretty cool. I'll tell you what I think about it. Will you go see Deepwater Horizon? I will. But obviously, that's a film that probably I'll have to see on my own because I'm not sure my girlfriend wants to see a movie about an oil rig exploding and men sweating to put it put the fire out. Well, the, the, the but mighty... it's got three of my favourite actors: John Malkovich, uh, Kurt Russell, yes. who I adore, and Mark Wahlberg, who I don't, I never knew I was a big fan of until you kept going. You know, he's amazing, and I thought actually he's in a lot of films I love. So he he must be doing something right. Anyway, listen, we've got to wrap it up. Sorry, we've got an amazing guest who's got a really l- huge body of work to talk about. Um, James, come in next week. Let's be positive. Let's, let's be positive. Yeah. That's my homework. Let's push through into the autumn with positivity. But I, w- I would say the last two weeks we can only you know play with the cards you dealt. Yeah, cards you dealt. Exactly. Um, now this is the first song from our next guest, first choice, and he um, he picked. Uh, a piece of score first and um, this is from the film Miller's Crossing the main theme it's a beautiful piece of music Uh, um, I think it's just called main theme I think yeah Strangely uplifting and romantic for a piece of score that essentially accompanies a dark noir gangster film, isn't it? Like, if I heard that, I'd think, oh, this is for, like, a film about a lonely Irishman wandering the fields or something. Well, I think that that's why it works, isn't it? That it sort of plays the juxtaposition, against... Yeah, the juxtaposition yeah. about, you know, the, them walking through the forest just about to shoot the guy in mm-hmm. the head and um, there's actually sort of a really beautiful piece of music yeah. playing. I just think it's that sort of juxtaposition and they, uh, the Coen brothers made the trees look good. They may, I mean, it's such a beauty. Is that Roger Deakins, that film? Do we know? Is oh, that, I don't know. I, I don't know that much I know detail. he's done a loads, of, loads of their films. I love it when... They, by the way, everyone, please welcome, if you're at home, give a round of applause maybe um, for uh, our guest today, Howard Overman. Um, Howard, I uh, I love it when um, films do that. I always uh, one of my favourite pieces of score is the Hans Zimmer thing from piece from um, True Romance, which I believe is a homage to Badlands. But that really beautiful, sweet music, and then there being 
ultra violence going on. Yeah, I mean, actually, good, true. Uh, do you know what? I should have probably picked True Romance. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a uh, one of my friends actually played that at their wedding, so that's got uh, fond memories for yeah. me. Yeah, and did they like kill loads of people shortly no, afterwards? They are still together, <laughs> so uh, it worked for them. Did you? Uh, why did you pick um, Miller's Crossing? Um. Is it just because you love the film, or was it the music? I just, I just, rem- I really remember the the, the music sticking with me, yeah. um, and uh, just the sort of one, one of those sort of you know, you know, it's, it's quite, I'm not sure that many people have seen the film, but it's just a really sort of evocative, yeah. emotional piece, and um, I just remember really loving it. It's just one of those things that stuck with me. So you know, there's other uh, other yeah. pieces of score which are sort of that's equal favourites, but I saw choice. that script sitting on my uh, shelf when I was trying to answer your questions yesterday, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, went with it. So, Howard, you are the creator stroke writer of a ridiculous amount of shows. Some of these you created, some of these you've written on. You might have to like help me out which ones, which ones you were your own brainchild and oh, okay. which you worked on. But these shows include everything from Hustle, New Tricks, Moving Wallpaper, Hotel Babylon, Spooks, Merlin, Dirk Gently, Vexed, Atlantic, Misfits, and of course your new show that you're here to talk about, Crazy Head. That's a lot. That's the, I mean, they're they're not shows that have gone unnoticed. They're no. all they've yeah. all had pretty good viewing figures. You've done you've you you're in good company there. Yeah, most of the ones at the start, I was just sort of a, a new writer and mm-hmm. just you know I didn't create those. I just wrote episodes. Um, so I know you uh, created Misfits and Crazy Head. Yeah. Which of these other shows did you create? Uh, Atlantis, um, Vexed. Okay. Or, although I'm not that proud of that one, to be oh. honest. Um, and uh, oh, some of the others on there, I can't remember. Dirt Jen- Jen- oh, no, well, that, that which was is adapted, obviously a book, yeah, adapted, um, adapted from um, the uh, Douglas Adams novel. Well, we um, <coughs> we had Mark Gatiss on uh, last week, and he obviously co-created uh, the new version of Sherlock. And it's yeah. that weird thing of when you do an adaptation that's sort of quite new or different or got a spin on it. It's like. Do, are you the creator of or are you the adapter of you know because it becomes all about tv format you know that sort of speak yeah i mean it's, it's you know they, I, I mean i don't know how familiar people be with um the dirk gently books but you know and actually there's a new version coming out on bbc I've, america yeah i've heard about um this. by it was written by uh uh the guy who's john landis's son i think his name max, is max landis, yeah, max landis. Uh, john landis being the uh, american werewolf yeah. in london guy um i don't know why i'm promoting his show <laughs> um but, but anyway. max landis is a brilliant screenwriter as well yeah. he wrote the um uh, is it called chronicle the yeah, film? yeah yeah brilliant film um, yeah, yeah. he's uh, and and actually i can imagine you liking that kind of knowing some of your work here but um what do you prefer do you do, and obviously the rewards of creating a show are much greater but are there benefits i was going to say what do you prefer like right being a writer on a show or creating your own show because i'm sure they do have pros and cons right yeah i I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you sort of aim as a writer to sort of create your own shows and executive produce them, and you know that's seen as the the sort of pinnacle. But obviously, with that comes a sort of lot of responsibility and pressure, and you mm-hmm. put your head above the parapet, and it's you that gets slagged off if it goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so part of me, you know, does remember the sort of fond days of just writing single episodes of other people's shows and just sort of enjoying just doing the simple process of writing rather than all the sort of baggage which comes yeah. with sort of executive producing, like the casting and worrying about budgets and and all that sort of stuff. So this sort of swings around about. So obviously, you know, you... Do you, you not like that stuff, the more production-y stuff? Or do you feel... Do you see yourself as very much a writer? Or do you... Yeah, I mean, that's that's my, you know... You know, I suppose that that's what I sort of, you know, bring to the party, if you like. Mm-hmm. And I've got sort of business partners uh, who, who do much more on the production side and are much sort of better producers than me. I... You know, I just, I just find budgets and and sort of you know sets and who's building what. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not my my thing. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I'm not what, sure, I'm, I don't know whose thing budgets are. Oh, I mean, trust I can, me, budgets are a big people thing. Like, I know, but I mean, like who like this is the thing, right? So I've written, I've directed, and stuff. The one thing that I would never ever have any aspiration to is producing. Like phoning people up and giving them bad news all day, every day, and oh, working is that, is out. That, is that what a producer does? Well, that's what it seems like to me, like dealing with problems all the time. Yeah, yeah you, you, know. you know, I think, you know, because for me, when I write, I see sort of a perfect version yeah. in my head. 
There's no budgetary constraints. So you must be constantly disappointed. <laughs> well, I think uh, th- th- there's levels of disappointment. Yeah. You know, you, you you know what you're you, what you're trying to achieve. I think as a writer is is get the finished product as close to that perfect version in your, in your head. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to be spot on because in, in your head everything is perfect. There's no budgetary constraints, yeah. and yeah. you know, just it's just this sort of you know. Unattainable nirvana, but what you're aiming to do is get as close to that as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if you can get a sort of good chunk of the way there, then you're satisfied. Although you know, you inevitably, as a writer, sort of what you see is is the faults with it, and things you should have done better, or things someone else should have done better, or you know, and you just can't help but be sort of ultra critical of your own stuff. Because yeah. I think if you if you sit there and go, oh my god, this is a work of genius, I just think you probably you know lost that sort of sense of sort of perspective and you know and and, and just all got a bit egotistical yeah. do you have uh, have you had written stuff that where you've very clearly seen it shot a certain way or performed by actors certain actors and then when you watch the final thing or you get presented with it you're like that is nothing like what i imagined oh god you have some stuff that you get in and you, they show it to you and they're all sitting there thinking oh i hope he's gonna like and yeah. you sit and you think they have balls this up. Really? Oh, God, yeah. And, and, you, and anything that you think they ballsed up, and then it went on to be a hit, and you're like, oh, well, maybe they knew better. Maybe they knew my script better than I did. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, oh, God, look, it's all subjective. You yeah. know, it's all a matter of opinion. And, you know, no, the truth is, no one knows until it goes out. No one, you know, everyone claims that they know, but no one knows what's going to work and what's going to strike a call with the audience. And, 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 you know, you always sort of, you know, you just got to do your best and, and sort of hope people like it. And that's yeah. all you can do. Um, are you good at detaching yourself from the success and failure of shows? Well, I suppose, why would you detach yourself from success? But you No, know, no like, I actually, actually think you've got to detach yourself from both. Yeah. Because I don't actually read any reviews or anything. I, you know, I occasionally get things People stuck. say that. I'm not sure I, I believe I, I them. I genuinely really? don't. I avoid, I, you know, anything. You know, yeah. I have done in the past. Yeah. But I actually learnt from that. Yeah. It's because, say if they slag you off, obviously it doesn't make you feel, you know, good about yourself or the show. Yeah. And if they praise you, to, you know, you know, then I'm not sure that actually helps you either because you've just got to sort of stay sort of like, you know, what you think is best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just think that, especially, especially in the age of sort of social media, I'm not on Twitter or, or anything like that. I just try and avoid all that sort of side of Did, things. Were you ever on Twitter? No, no, I've never. Okay. I've never Facebook? You know. No. How do you do that? I'd love to do that. We just don't have an account. I, well... <laughs> That's how you do it. You say, you say that, but, but you like, see, you're, I think you're in a different profession. You probably need one. Well, you, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm doing. I do less uh, like comedy, less live stuff at the moment, and therefore I don't need to like sell yeah. tickets and yeah. stuff. And that's where I think those things are really useful. Yeah. Like when you're actually trying to promote a product. Oh yeah, yeah. But, but I don't use them that much for personal, and and I sometimes get. Um, I sometimes get not abused that's a bit strong but like people going good why, why don't you do more on social media why aren't you funnier or why it's just that, that isn't how I don't walk around going oh I better write that onto it it's yeah. just not how I think but I am weirdly a sort of um, you know uh, I, I, I sort of watch I, I like looking and seeing what other people are saying and I get all my news feeds on Twitter yeah. you know I've and stopped I, carrying my phone have you yeah at the weekend I don't, like, I don't carry like it a, Buddhist monk I or know, something. But, I've got and I bet you're as happy well. as well, aren't you? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Listen, this is this is proof that the the world we're living in does not bring happiness. Well, I think it's different. I've got kids, so you know, the weekends. Yeah. That's all. You know, I don't want to be sort of stood there looking at my phone while they sort of you know yeah. go, you know sort of beg for attention from me <laughs> while you know check the football scores or yeah. whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, get you know. People get annoyed because they can't get hold of you. But um, you know. well, you know what? I was going to ask you a little bit about your process as a writer because you know the, the, this show is, you know, it's a little bit nerdy in the sense that we like to give aspiring actors, writers, directors, whatever, like a bit of an insight into yeah. people's the way people actually work. And I was going to ask you whether you're a nine to five writer, whether you have good discipline, or whether you're a procrastinator. But by the sounds of it, you, there's probably you've probably not got that many distractions if you're not online that much i am when it comes to writing i am you know in my little cell from you know depending on on what i'm doing but maybe from eight or six and i just like there's nothing in there but a desk and a chair 
and my computer and are you actually in prison is this what it, you're telling I'll us tell you what, if you see my <laughs> you're office on day release. it's the it's the dullest that's space. why you haven't got social media yeah, you're exactly. actually an inmate <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, oh, i see and no one's ever allowed that's there. why you wrote misfits exactly yeah. no no one's allowed in this room yeah it's, uh, uh, no one's ever been there other than where me. is this room it's uh, in an office block mm-hmm. and away from the house and away from everybody and i just go there and i write and that's that's all I do in that room. And you start at eight, depending on so you know. Do you start straight? Do you sit at the computer and you're just straight in? Cup of tea in. That's amazing. Do you do any sort of form of meditation or exercise? Like oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I exercise yeah. afterwards, but not like during the day. Just sort of. That's when you know. That's not all day every day. Yeah. Because I'm doing all out doing this sort of stuff. Yeah, and but other it's bits. not. But it's not all day every day because you can't concentrate. It's just because you're doing other things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it sounds to me like you're pretty good at just i really struggle with when i write sort of just cracking on straight away but unless you, i'm so in the middle of a project that i'm excited about and it's going well but do you know what i, I sort of like you know talk with sort of when you know special ones do misfits or talk to sort of young writers thing and they'd say oh yeah but i got stuck on that or whatever and yeah. I, i'm just like well we'll go do, do something you know if you if i can't work out how to write a scene then i'll go to the next scene yeah because you can always go back yeah. just and get something down. Don't procrastinate. Just you know, because you go back and you look at it the next day, and you might go, "God, that is shit." Yeah. But at least you've sort of got to the end of it, and then you can go and you you realise it's right, and you and from that you get another direction. And I just sort of, it's that sort of like a shark. So mm-hmm. momentum is everything. Definitely, and I learned quite. I think I learned uh, one of the things I did learn very early on was just get it. Uh, like a first draft doesn't have to be perfect. No. You know. Because I, I started writing in a, uh, a trio because we were doing sketch comedy, and it was more fun because you were with people and it yeah. was you know less lonely. But we'd spend four hours arguing over a character's name. Yeah. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And then when I first started writing on my own, I was like, I've just written seven pages in I, the same time. And like, no one even probably said that character's name. Yeah. It was just on a piece of paper. Yeah. So you know, and I, you could change it later. So yeah. you know, it's it, it, just getting that first draft down and then going back and and then crying when you realise there's about five percent of it is usable. But yeah, but at least so you've what? got five yeah. percent. You know, yeah. sort of, you know, get it down. Um, so you've written a, a, a stri- you know like a bizarre. Um, range of stuff I know some of them you were a writer for hire but Vexed you say was one of your by the way why did you say you weren't you're not quite so into that one is it just how it came out or have you you seen it I haven't seen it Uh, I know the show it was um, yeah sort of it was Lucy Punch wasn't it yeah Yeah. comedy police procedure yeah Oh, I just, you know, it just, it's some things for, you know. I like your honesty, by the way. Well, yeah. you know, there's no point in sitting here and go, it's, it's all genius, because yeah. it's clearly not. Yeah. Um, you did two, two series, didn't you? Well, I didn't write on the second series. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but you created it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've obviously done, st- like, a police procedural that was a kind of... Sort uh, of comedy. Comedy. Yeah, yeah. T- thing and Dirk Gently um, you've done Atlantic which is fantasy is yeah, it? Atlantis, yeah. yeah Atlantis sorry and then there's Miss- so you've done like genre you've done uh, relationship stuff you've done kind of there's, there's a whole different do you think in terms of uh, what the genre is going to be or do you come up with like a what do you want to write about first or I just think you can't you, it, it is sort of like you know and that's that's sort of the body of work which was made you know I've yeah. got sort of th- other things I've got written which you know haven't been made you yeah. know which I'd, well we can read which, them aloud now if yeah, you like. we've got yeah. a couple of hours um, you, are you ready with accents we need to okay. you know, we'll have to I'm do a couple not, of characters each. annoyingly I'm not great at accents <laughs> you know it's held me back all these years um and sorry, I've forgotten what the question what, was. Do you, you do so many different uh, kind of genres and oh. styles and tone. Is that a? Do you think of like, oh, I want to do something like this? What genre would be? What comes first, I guess, the genre or the or the story or the you know? Um, I suppose it's usually sort of a central idea, just something that sort of you know inspires. I mean, I mean, most of the stuff I do has an element of comedy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, that's partly because maybe that's the stuff that gets commissioned I've got sort of like slightly more sort of serious stuff which yeah. hasn't been commissioned but um, maybe I haven't been commissioning so I'm not so good at it but um, I th- well I think there's definitely something in people always want the la- the same yeah, as the last that, thing yeah. you did I think there's which is you, frustrating if you want to well, you can get branch so, yeah, out yeah you can get pigeon you know they think oh who, who can do a sort of funny genre mashup you yeah. know and then they come to you know they come the to you because you've done genre before. mashup guy yeah, yeah. exactly I know, like, yeah. They, they look through their filing cabinet and uh, you know and um Go for you. Um, 
Yeah, I, do you know what? It, ver- it totally varies. You know, I just sort of like like yeah, an idea I'm developing um, for ITV at the moment. Uh, just you know, script development just came from the idea of. Um, I live in Brighton and the trains uh, between London and Brighton are terrible at the moment mm-hmm. and people have been delayed for hours We've had hours a bit of train chat today yeah, so we know all about chat. that. <laughs> and um, there's been sort of like, you know, I saw someone crying on the train, a guy crying because he, he couldn't get home and, you know, and he's obviously just having a total meltdown. And it's just, you know, from that I've sort of come up with an idea about a guy who basically has, a, you know, midlife crisis because, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, made to re-interview for his job and he's stuck on a train he knows if he doesn't get there he's, he's going to lose his job and it just like little things like that like seeing a guy you know obviously I didn't help him in any way I just yeah. thought ah here yeah. we go I've got an idea here you so know keep crying mate I'm, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> no, up with I'm ideas not, here I'm on something yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a total breakdown and that would if you really could push it, if you could even maybe jump that would be that <laughs> yeah. would really help my story that's the ending yeah <laughs> yeah uh, that's. I mean, I love that sort of stuff. That's that's the kind of stuff uh, that I've yet to sort of really tap into, which is really look into what's happening around me more. And but you, so you've written now for E4, uh, BBC One, BBC Two, ITV. Now that's kind of a remarkable thing to be able to do because whether this is true or not, I'm always told by producers, commissioners that when you come up with an idea, you have to think about who you're pitching it to. Like each each version, like so, Misfits, for example, feels like a very E four show, right? Yeah, and it, and that's fair enough to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but was it always like that, or did you go? Did you originally have a BBC One version of Misfits? No, no, no you couldn't. I mean, I, I'm not sure you should think of the channel when when you're coming up with it. I think you you know come up with an idea and then you know see, where, honest, it, see where you can sell it yeah. is, you know is, is, is the brutal reality but if you want to get it made but the audience is like so the, the thing you've just told me about that you're developing for ITV that's a really great simple idea that actually you could do a young and I say this in inverted commas young person's show version of you could do an adult but you could do ITV well, no I'm not sure you could because really? this guy you could tell this guy was sort of middle-class guy who did a certain type of, you know, I, you know, I'm guessing, I'm assuming this from, you know, his appearance and what he mm-hmm. said and all the rest of it. And he was obviously having a midlife crisis, which, you know, was a, is a guy of a certain age, you know, probably with kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could deduce that he'd been doing his job a long time, like, you know, he was mid-40s or whatever. And you just think, um, you know, that that naturally fits more into a sort of BBC One, ITV sort of age demographic. Yeah. And I think, you know, just that, you know, I suppose it's just sort of like, you know, I look at my friends and some of my friends have just lost their jobs and things. And it's for the first time in life, you know, you, you sort of looking at things in a different sort of yeah. way. Um, and I think that's sort of more, you know, ITV One, BBC. But I don't think, of, you know, when I come out with the idea, I come, you know, stick with the idea first and then think about who I can, yeah. who I can sort of you know, go and talk to. Um, there must be like finite differences uh, between BBC One and ITV. Just finite must be right. What, no? what do you mean by finite differences? Well, just like you know, um, you know, tonally, what like the kind of. I think I can often tell the difference between a drama or comedy drama on ITV to BBC One. If you look at their hit shows, I mean, their their shows, which are the sort of big shows, mm-hmm. Sherlock. ITV would do Sherlock and BBC I, One. I think it would be slightly different. Oh, see, I well, you know, they uh, well, the Polly is from BBC One Drama, head of BBC One Drama, has just moved across to ITV. Actually, yeah, so I'm not sure that the, oh, the differences will be, you know, and, and Kevin Ligo, who's sort of the control of I can't director of ITV, you know, he's he's got sort of you know really good taste in drama. And um, yeah, I think I, I think he commissioned he could- my first ever thing I wrote for I TV. Did. I did. What was that? Many years ago, it was a show called The Estate Agents, and I oh. was twenty two, twenty three when I wrote that. Oh wow! I co-wrote it with two uh, friends, very talented guys. Um, and sadly didn't quite land you know it was one of those ones the very first thing I did I learnt the hard way about the business which was you know know, the the idea that you know everything you do is going to work and be a five series hit and it's just not going to happen you know although you say that but you do have you have a number of stuff that has that you've I mean to have misfits and now crazy head like which looks like it could be a hit I mean it's definitely got all the all the things that Misfits had in a way. It feels very much like a companion piece to that show. Well, I think it's 
just the, what we were talking about that sort of like you know a channel if you've had sort of a, you know a, a, a hit on a channel mm-hmm. and they want first of all they always say to you well we want something totally different to uh, Misfits yeah. and a year later they'll say to you have you got anything vaguely yeah. similar you know in a similar sort of ballpark here's my favourite one I had a show on the BBC uh, called How Not To Live Your Life and they can- a new guy came in and cancelled the show yeah and then I was pitching, uh, I wrote a new thing that they commissioned me to write, a new show. And honestly, their note was, could you make it more like How Not To Live Your Life? I was like, what, the show you just cancelled? Yeah. I mean, I could do more of that if you'd rather. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, unfortunately, that is yeah. the world of TV commissioning. And I just, I was listening to your, um, uh, before I came in, I caught a bit of the thing about remakes. Yeah. And my favourite remake that I've just read about is they're remaking Magnum P.I. Yeah. But with Which, Magnum's daughter. What? Yeah, and it's going to be... Um, so Mag- James was just saying, he was just talking about oh, was this. I missed that yeah, bit. Hey. Yeah, he was just saying that he's um, he knows a guy that's written, or not knows a guy, he interviewed, uh, for when uh, he worked at Shortlist, he interviewed a, um, a writer who's working on a Magnum remake. Yeah, but it's going to be Magnum's Daughter. Now which a is a good title, eye. Magnum's <laughs> Daughter. <laughs> it's like a sort of airport novel, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 some real questionable remakes out there. But then some, like I just mentioned Fargo, that to me was a real surprise that that was such a good show. Like, I was like, how do you turn that into a series? But I thought they did a fantastic job. Can you tell us a bit about Crazy Head? Like, cause of, and when does it come out? When does it start? Oh, God, that's the sort of thing I should know. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, I, I don't know why I'm looking at a door there yeah. to think the answer might be we'll there. Get, we'll, we'll find out. October. That's all you need to know right now. October. October. Keep, keep it. So can you do it? Well, do the one line pitch. Oh, God. Um, what's the one? I should, yeah, I should be yeah. better prepared, <laughs> shouldn't I? No, this um, is. Um, are you good at pitching? No, I think I'm alright in like you know going into sort of broadcast. Yeah, things, that's what I mean. Like, I'm terrible like in interviews. Yeah, so coming promotion, out with some sort of yeah, like pr- promotions s- awful. Snap- Maybe if I was on Twitter, I'd be better at these You'd sort get- of like snappy no, answers. I don't think so. I I think promoting yourself is quite difficult. I think it's better when other people promote yeah. you. Um, but in a room with uh, broadcasters, are you good? Because writers are obviously by their nature people that are quite introverted. They spend a lot of time on their own. Yeah. So to do something where you really have to put yourself on the line in a room with other people is quite. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I find it? I find it right if they're English. Yeah. They're American. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to go down some Brexit route here for a minute, like <laughs> yeah, you know, if they're, but if they're bloody foreign. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the American pitching is a whole other song yeah, and dance, isn't it? Yeah, because they are, you know, and sometimes they just you 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 make a joke, you think, oh, that's funny, yeah. and it's just stony yeah. silence, yeah. you know. And um, I pitched something in America once in the style that I would in the UK where I just kind of described it in low like, key low key yeah. three minute pitch you're and not then saying there was you're great silence where they were clearly waiting for another 20 minutes of pitching yeah. and I was like oh I'm going to have to make this up there's a whole level of salesmanship over there people yeah. are sort of you know animated and sort yeah. of you know and so crazy head come on you need right. to you need to just tell us don't right. do the one line yeah, pitch yeah. just tell us what it, it's about it's, it's a show about um uh, some girls who uh, have special gifts, abilities, and basically they can see people who are possessed by demonic spirits. Ah. Um, so, you know, the, the idea is that the, these sort of girls are the, are the few who can sort of tell who is and who isn't possessed. And it just mm-hmm. sort of came out that, you know, I'm sort of fascinated by things like possession, this idea that, you know, sort of good and even you could be inhabited by something which, which changes you and makes you do things. And, you know, it's, it's sort of steeped in our sort of mythology this idea that people have been possessed over the ages and um it's a sort of um a sort of dark genre comedy take on that whole thing and the experience these two girls go through as, as they sort of battle with these sort of possessed souls and is that at the forefront or is it also a way of telling story about like young girls yeah i mean you know um when you say stories about young girls, that well, sounds yeah, like <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like yeah. the lives of young women. Uh, young women, young I mean, women. Yeah, let's yeah. go, young women. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you know it's important when all these sort of you know when, when I'm trying to sort of write a sort of uh, you know a genre show like this, you know, just try and have a rule that actually the emotional stories should should work regardless. If you stripped mm-hmm. out all the genre stuff, you know, the stories about sort of love, friendship, family, whatever, should work 
even if none of the genre stuff was there and it should operate on that level yeah. as well as the, uh, the genre level so you know you, you hope this sort of you know people sort of become attached to the characters and, and care about their friendship and their love lives yeah. in the same way as you might in you know a sort of you know straightforward relationship drama yeah. uh, but you know hopefully you've got that layer of sort of genre that you sort of sprinkle on top of it and it makes it all more complex and mm-hmm. funny and interesting Cool. Now, listen, we always get our guests to pick a guilty pleasure. Uh, You picked a film. um, This is an interesting one for me, I think, in terms of um, that you've decided it was a guilty pleasure. You picked uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And the reason I say that's interesting is because I know people that would say that's an out-and-out, like, classic film or, like, a Uh, brilliant film. But the weird thing is, those people that say that to me, I always say, "I, I never, I couldn't, I never liked it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I never... I so how, how old not, are you, if you don't mind me asking? Um, well, I kind of do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just turned 40, actually, which, saying that out loud, it still shocks me. Not because of... You know, I don't, I don't mind getting old, but 40 just sounds... That's a whole other world, that is. But yeah. anyway, we won't go down there, otherwise well, I'll start just, crying and thinking I, I, about mortality. I mean, I, I was a bit... I, I actually phoned uh, someone I've worked with and said, God, I've got a name with Guilty Pleasure, and, and, and had her sort of, like, sort of think through a few Guilty Pleasures, because I never know... What, what is guilty or not? Yeah, what's yeah. a Guilty Pleasure? I suppose, you know, is, is, I suppose when you've got kids... Uh, and you know busy sort of life the idea of spending two hours uh, sitting down and watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off that would be sort of guilty pleasure mm. but so maybe your sort of you know your well, parameters change or is it guilty as in you shouldn't really like it or I what's think, the, yeah, what's I think the what we, I tend to put it into two categories it's either a film that you think that you know is terrible but you like anyway or it's a film that you think people think is bad but actually you think is underrated what, what, what's yours then? Mine, I've said this before, I think mine's The Holiday, the uh, rom com oh, with. My uh, wife loves that yeah, film. I, yeah. I, I know it's all like cheesy and saccharine and awful, but okay. I weirdly enjoy it. Well, you know, I is, weirdly I, enjoy I, it. There is, then I'll give you another guilty pleasure, which I've wa- watched the other night, um, and it's the Richard Curtis film. Is it called Out of Time? Out of, oh, yes, the, the time travel one. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's and definitely that's, a guilty pleasure. That is, that is, but there's, there's, there's something about it because it's about father. You know, I've got two yeah. sons, and it's, it's about fathers and sons, which just makes you sort of like strikes an emotional chord. And yeah, and, and yeah that, there you go. There's Look, an, I love Richard Curtis films. That one I felt was a film in two halves. Like the first half was a different film to the second half. Um, I liked the first half, and then it all went weird. Anyway, listen, Howard, it's been lovely talking to you. Annoyingly, we've run out of time. I, I could have chatted to you uh, much, much more. But um, thanks so much, and good luck with Crazy Head. Uh, this is your second choice of... You just picked anything from Gross Point Blank as, a, as your second choice of song. We've already played Blister in the Sun, which is oh, an okay. amazing song. But I thought I'd pick this one, because this sort of... I remember Because I love... Gross Point yeah, Blank. It's it's one of my, yeah, 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 it's one of my favourite films. And I was thinking of all the f- songs using it, and I remembered this bit where they play Live and Let, Let Die. Oh, the, in, in the... Um, is it in the fight, in the food store? Is that Live and yeah, Let Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he goes to his old childhood home, and it's been replaced with a Walmart. Oh, yeah, and, and playing, then he goes in. Yeah, 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 yeah they're yeah, playing yeah. the Guns N' Roses version of Live and Let Die, and then he runs in, and it turns into the, like, music yeah, yeah, version. Yeah. And it's a really clever use of the, the music. Um, so to play out, this is Guns N' Roses with Live and Let Die. Thank you, Howard. Thanks, Sam.